Hello, and welcome to The Signal, Workplace NL's health and safety podcast. Workplace NL is the Workers' Compensation Board in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. The focus is to promote safe and healthy workplaces, provide return-to-work programs, and offer compensation to injured workers and their dependents. This series of podcasts will provide you with the latest information on how workplaces can protect the health and safety of workers. Please enjoy the show. Conversations about diversity and inclusion in the workplace have become more mainstream, given the shift in Canada's demographics. With the number of immigrants steadily increasing every year, these conversations of inclusion have become even more critical to have in organizations to make sure that they are changing to include all workers. The characteristics of an inclusive environment is one where everyone feels included, supported, and embraced for who they are as an individual and for their unique qualities that they bring to the team. So how do you unlock the power that diversity brings? It really starts with a commitment to build that culture where everyone feels like they belong. I'm Deanne Feltham-Scott, OSH Educational Consultant in Prevention Services at Workplace NL. Today, I welcome Carrie Majid, Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Human Rights Commission. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you, Deanne. So glad to have you here today. Yes, it's lovely. Thanks. To talk about diversity and inclusion. Let's begin with a definition of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So what is it? So I'll just read you a couple of definitions, and then we can have a conversation about what that actually means in practice. Uh, Diversity means respecting, appreciating differences between all people. We all come to the world and to our workplaces with our different identities, Uh, that we should all, uh, you know, be our true authentic self when we come to work, and that should be respected. Mm -hmm. Um, Inclusion means creating a work environment in this case that really embraces these differences, accepts them, and sees the benefit in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then equity is treating people, like there's equality and equity. Mm -hmm. Equality is teaching everybody the same, regardless of the effect of those decisions or treatments on different people and they're based on their different needs. Equity is treating people differently to achieve the same sort of outcomes. Right. So we use um, the analogy of an accommodation mm-hmm. is trying to treat somebody equitably right? because you're giving people supports that they need in yes. order to be able to, uh, you know, do their job properly in right. this case. The only other thing I'd say about inclusion is I think it's 100% important to embrace and respect and um, welcome people to your workplaces. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's more than that. Mm -hmm. It's not just about, you know, um, respecting that. It's about who's actually at the table making decisions. Mm -hmm. Are there diverse people? And I mean all sorts of diverse people. Exactly. LGBTQ, people with disabilities, people uh, that are racialized like me, women, Mm -hmm. you know, all sorts of people Mm -hmm. have all different backgrounds. And these are the people not just at the table, but actually making the decisions. Exactly. Making. That's where the true inclusivity comes from. Right. 
making those developing and implementing policies exactly that uh, embrace everybody, right. no matter who you are, um, where you're from, uh, what you bring to the table. Because ultimately, you know? like you've said, you want safe healthy, productive workplaces. Absolutely. And how do you do that? Well, you create an environment mm -hmm. that people feel safe, yeah. healthy, and that like, leads them to be more productive. Exactly. Right? A exactly. You know, a number of years ago when this sort of conversation happened, started happening more seriously in Newfoundland and Labrador, the focus was really on building the business case for it. And right. I suppose that argument still exists mm -hmm. today because we're business uh, places we want to yep. we're all hired to do particular jobs so you want to make sure that you're able to do your job but I think it's more than that it's just not about you know getting as much as you can out of workers it's about people spend a lot of time at work for the most part people want to do a good job they exactly. feel a lot of value from the the work that they do the people that they work with mm -hmm. you know the projects that they advance so let's create environments where people actually want to be there exactly and give it their all yeah so yeah you know we do spend 40 hours mm. a week at work <laughs> some of us more more and in some cases um we see our colleagues more than what we see our family yeah. members you know you want people to feel that they belong and are valued and that they are a critical and important part of a team yeah and that you use everybody's strengths and that's what it really comes down right. to finding the strengths to build your team one of the components of the CSA standard in psychological health and safety is inclusion and diversity you are creating a workplace where workers are safe engaged and productive mm -hmm. so I really like what you said about what it really comes down to is you know creating those workplaces that people are safe healthy productive and just adding to that yeah. that they are engaged yeah when you feel like you belong somewhere you are more engaged now I will say the vast majority of the cases that come to the Human Rights Commission mm -hmm. and this is pretty much across the country um, equity, diversity, or DEI policies, respectful workplace policies are pretty standard in most yeah. Yeah. medium to large businesses now. Yep. So policies are there. People do the training. Something's missing. Yeah. There's a disconnect sometimes mm -hmm. because we're human beings. Yep. We have unconscious bias. There are still stereotypes. People sometimes... There's a, yes, there's a disconnect between mm -hmm. the policies and the practice, mm -hmm. whether it's workplace accommodations for people with disabilities or equity and diversity uh, yeah. projects. Yeah. Um, we've seen a lot of workplaces, you just look in the news, where they are advancing themselves as you know fully on board with this, yet they're still um, subject of complaints mm -hmm. for issues of systemic racism. Yeah. Because that is what is the insidious part of it. Yeah. If you're not, oh, use systemic racism, if you're mm -hmm. not a black or racialized or indigenous person, you may not even see that the issue exists. I know. 
right? Yeah. So you think, okay, I've got a policy, I've got a committee, we're having a potluck lunch, we're doing, you know, events on religious holidays, or we're doing, you know, like little email blasts celebrating mm-hmm. whatever the occasion is. And those are all good. I'm not going to say that they're not. They're one-time events. Yeah, they're, they're one-time things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on the, the, the environment or the workplace culture, they could be seen as strictly performative, yeah. right? So what I'm talking about is something deeper than that. If you have a workplace where 80% of your workforce are women or racialized people, yet they're in the bottom two tiers of the work of the workers, have no say over how things are done, uh, are, there's no room for advancement, no rooms for mentoring. Mm-hmm. And when the few people do get to the top, they're judged differently. Mm-hmm. They're um, not in, you know, they're not valued as much. Those old networks right. or ways of doing business yes. still exist. And depending on who you are and where you're from and what your outlook is, you still may not be able to break those things mm-hmm. down. I mean, I'm a lawyer. There's been lots of studies now that over 50%, maybe even more now, of law school graduates are women. Mm-hmm. But within five to seven years, still, and I've been practicing law for over 20 years, women are gone from the profession. So why is that? They're working in government, mm-hmm. like me, mm-hmm. when I had my second child. They go work for Workplace NL. Mm-hmm. They go work for, for places where they can have still practice law, right. still contribute, but have regular hours. Mm-hmm. There's no need for billables. Yeah. The, the, you know, so those are the sort of systemic barriers that prevent people right. uh, sometimes from moving forward and really changing workplace cultures. Mm-hmm. There was a story a number of years ago, I remember hearing online here, that people were complaining about the bus system Mm -hmm. and the lack of reliable routes and the time and the no shelters. And they weren't realizing that the, you know, with the increasing diversity of our province, which is a wonderful thing, Mm -hmm. but most new immigrants are working, you know, service jobs or up at Stavanger Drive or wherever, and they're having to take the bus and it takes an hour and a half to get up there to work a minimum wage job. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, that's what they're doing. So these are barriers that exist yeah. in our workplaces, in our societies, in our built environment that set up, well, barriers for people. Yeah. So how do we remove those barriers? Yeah. Yeah. To include as many people and let them do what they need to do. Exactly. And there's so many different factors that impact a person's life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for somebody who doesn't depend on the bus system, Mm -hmm. but, you know, uses a car to get back and forth to work. You don't really sit down and think about how the public transit really does add an hour or two onto somebody's workday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're making it difficult for people to have this work-life balance or or be, you know, their best selves when they come to work. Absolutely. And that's not something that, you know, a workplace can do. No. But no. collectively, we can maybe right. think about how we create our, our communities. Yeah. 
So from the workplace perspective, I'm an employer who um, really wants to work on changing my culture Mm -hmm. to not only build diverse work environment, but I also want to start looking at my policies and how I am, how I'm going to change the culture to be more than what you said, potlucks, mass emails, one-time events kind of thing. So where can I start building those policies that are based on inclusion and equity? Right. Yeah, I mean, I get that question all the time, right? The first things you need to do is whoever's in charge, Mm -hmm. whoever is in leadership positions, they need to 100% believe this, that it's the right thing to do, legally, morally, ethically, better for their workplace, better for people. If they don't believe it, if they don't invest the the people and the resources into it, you hear a lot of big companies are setting up these DEI Mm -hmm. positions, Mm -hmm. and they're underfunded, understaffed, not really given a real mandate. So then you take, for example, racialized people, people with disabilities, tout them as being, oh, look how progressive we are, Mm -hmm. put them up there, but put them into positions that is kind of doomed to failure. Mm -hmm. Because even though they're great, they got great ideas, they've got connections, they have a lot of energy and enthusiasm. If you have no money and you have no staff and it's not seen as valued as part of the executive team, it's just like the little DEI group off to the side. Yeah it's not gonna go anywhere. Yeah, You're just mm-hmm. checking a box. Yeah. So it really needs to come from the top. Leadership has to invest. And it has to be like, like multifaceted. You can have those emails. You can start small. You can have a plan to build. You know, there's a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Newfoundland and Labrador, this is a lovely place, but a lot of people know a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. But that also, if you're not new to this province, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be aware of how sometimes people might not feel like they're part of the team. Right. So it's a lot of things. It's policies. Yeah. um, But it's thinking about policies in a different sort of way. Yeah. You know, again, everybody's got policies. Are you able to implement them? Mm-hmm. Are they understandable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we've all read the policy bureaucratic speak. That's right. Does it make sense? Yeah. Are there places for people to go if they have issues? And if they do go, are they heard? Mm-hmm. Is it taken seriously? Yeah. And this yeah. is any sort of issue. Yeah. Well, it kind of, you're, you're kind of reminding me a little bit about um, some of the research that we've been doing into stigma now the stigma that 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 you know that we've been really looking at is mental health and there's the public stigma yeah the self stigma yeah and one area that you know we're really looking at i guess um and implementing some more um, education and awareness is the structural stigma so it is the policies the procedures the processes that are in place that actually stigmatize um, groups, yeah. certain groups of people, right? And it's something that you know that you don't really think about 
until you sit back and you look at your policies and you look at how they're how they're written and how they're not working for many groups of people mm-hmm. so you know and i would say that it would be the same way um you know for people who um who are not i guess from Newfoundland and yeah, Labrador. for sure. You know? Yeah. Well, just think about, you know, uh, speaking about people with mental health issues and the stereotypes and stigma. I mean, I'm sure you've heard people talk about, oh, they're the frequent flyers or they're so difficult or there's this or that or whatever. Um, we have people who come to our office with challenges mm-hmm. as well, and it's challenging sometimes yeah. because we're not mental health practitioners or Mm -hmm. social workers we're Mm -hmm. a bunch of lawyers here but we've done a lot of training um i think people don't come to the human rights commission if they're to want to work here if they're not interested in exactly helping people or understanding people but it really it takes time Mm -hmm. right it takes time it takes um relationship building this is what i meant earlier kind of going full circle Mm -hmm. if you're going to invest in diversity then you have to commit the resources mm-hmm. to it because you can't have a workplace that talks about diversity. And then if, say, a racialized or an indigenous person comes to you and says, or a manager and says, this is what's happening to me, for them to not dedicate the time to find out, to take that seriously, to come up with some changes, and to continue valuing that person after the fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and if you've got a manager that's yeah. say doing twenty-five million different things, are they going to be able to do that mm-hmm. so that that person actually feels valued? Exactly. Probably not. Yeah. Even if they have the best of intentions, mm-hmm. right? So it's really complicated. Yeah. The other thing that um, leadership and then the organization needs to do is this: these are uncomfortable conversations sometimes, mm-hmm. and we have to be okay with that. Yeah. And we have to you know, listen with open ears Mm -hmm. or whatever, active listening. Yeah. We have to not take things personally. Yeah. We have to see how we can adapt and change, be open to hearing, not necessarily, I mean, for me, I think if you've created a healthier workplace to begin with, Mm -hmm. where people feel that they can say, hey, this is not working for me, or, you know, I think this might work better, you're you've already you've already won half the battle absolutely because yeah. you're going to hear that more because people feel that they can come and say something to That's you right. and there's no repercussions they feel psychologically safe, safe. psychologically because safe because you right. built psychological health yeah into your practices that takes time it takes time that takes uh people yeah and you know a good place for anybody to start is through education and awareness. Yeah, and I think that's super important. Yeah. And I think, you know, but it's more than just that, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of critiques of just training. Absolutely. Um, for, you know, like they're one-offs, they're performative. They, that's right. They actually don't change, Yeah. you know, mindsets. Mm-hmm. And it, I've seen some studies where people who are already grudgingly made to go to these things especially right now in our like heightened political climate where if anything is sort of equity based it's considered woke and you know right. horrible and there's a group of people that think it's the worst thing and there's a group of people that think it's excellent exactly. 
especially in this polarized sort of climate, there's some research that says if you ha- are being feel like you're forced to do it, it's going to actually yeah. do the reverse. Yeah, yeah. So it's got to be a slow, steady build into everything. Right, yeah. And it's interesting that you, know, that you say that because in the occupational health and safety world, education and training is a huge part of keeping safe in the workplace. But it should not be viewed as the only way of changing something. It's a huge part of making a change, but it's a piece of it's the puzzle. It's a piece puzzle. Of, of the puzzle it's a and piece a plan. Of the puzzle, but I know? also think who's, you know, what's polarizing about safety? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be in a safe place, even employers. They don't want to have accidents, yeah. right? So it's not as politically charged. This whole diversity issue has become overtaken by polarization. Mm-hmm. And instead of seeing what it is mm-hmm. and saying, hey, this actually benefits me just as much as it benefits Absolutely. other people. Yeah. I'm not losing anything by having increased diversity in my workplace. My workplace is actually going to be better. Absolutely. But yeah. we don't think of it. Well, I do. But like a lot of people don't mm-hmm. think about it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember having a conversation with somebody years ago. And they were like, oh, my God, we got to like accommodate half the people that in my office, everybody's got something, everything's got something. And it, it really felt like it was a drain on them as opposed to, hey, wait a second, by figuring out little accommodations for people, yeah. do you have a good employee? Are they doing a good job? Yeah. Do you like, like, you know, all these sorts of things. And then I, I questioned and I said, because this person, I think, left work every day at a certain time to go for a run or something. Right. And I said, well, that's technically an accommodation. Yeah. You're restructuring your work day to accommodate a need that you have for mental wellness, health, etc. cetera. Yeah. But he didn't see it that way. Yeah. He just thought, well, I'm a runner and I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Right? That's and how he keeps himself physically and mentally and well. And mentally well. Right? But it wasn't, he didn't have to go seek a formal mm-hmm. accommodation. No. But it is, if you think of it that way, yeah. we all need different supports. We yeah. all need different things. When my kids were younger, I needed a bit more flexibility uh-huh. to come and go and work from home or to do different things. And I was able to do that with, yeah. in my job. That's an accommodation, right? right? Yeah. I worked my hours, I completed all my tasks, but I was able to, to be flexible in my yeah. time. Yeah. So that was an accommodation, but not really an accommodation. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So people all, yeah. we all need different things. So, um, yeah, so I guess in some respects, we are doing accommodations and not realizing right. that they're accommodations. accommodations. Well, <laughs> this was a wonderful discussion this morning. Um, I really thank you no for problem. joining me and, uh, you know, having this really important discussion and, you know, helping workplaces move ahead in really incorporating diversity, equity, and inclusion into their workplace mm-hmm. through their policy development. So thank you very much. And I'll just add, thank you for having me, but I'll just, to close, just say, you know, like, you're not alone, Right. If you're really committed to this as a workplace, as an employer, there's people that can help. 
you can find resources. There's, you know, trained people that know what to do and how to do this properly. There's probably people within your organization. Yeah. If you bring them in, you listen to people, you're not the one that always has to be making the decisions. Yeah. Then you might get someplace. Exactly. And sometimes yeah. people say, oh, this is just too big. I can't do it. So they don't even try. Mm -hmm. So there's resources out there if the commitment is there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. No problem. Anytime. Thank you for joining us today. Transcripts are available to use in your workplace to increase workers' knowledge in various occupational health and safety topics. Visit WorkplaceNL.ca for more information on the services we provide to workplaces. Feel free to share the signal on social media to improve workplace health and safety everywhere. Thank you, and have a safe and healthy day.